3: welcome to wood talk now here are three guys who like to take big pieces of wood and make them smaller mark shannon and matt all right what's happening everybody it's show number 532 and on today's show we're talking about japanese versus western saws bit storage and designing a shop from scratch. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before October 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk.
2: And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. Woo! Thank you, patrons. <laughs> <laughs> all of you. Oh, wow, uh, You still know who you are. Oh, man, we are
3: so professional in in everything that we do. I'm Fantastic. We, we scripted all
2: the intro stuff, so that seems professional.
3: Do we script the blank spaces? between the words
1: i think so the white space on the document yeah
2: Yeah. yeah. i mean
3: they that's true that's true they seem very deliberate and premeditated
1: (laughs) very okay well
3: (laughs) yes let's get into uh what is on the bench and uh you know in spite of not having a shop at this point i still have projects to do moving into a, a house a new to us house means uh lots of stuff to fix lots of uh little repair jobs but One thing that was not in need of fixing, but because I'm Mark and I have certain priorities, uh, the the living room or the family room, I should say, had a little cubby for the TV and it was a built in and there were shelves on either side, which limited the space for the television. And I was like, you know what? I really would like the whole thing to be for a TV. So I knocked the shelves out. There were two vertical partitions. And this is, I mean, you know how built-ins are built often? It is usually not a totally pre-assembled piece of furniture, <laughs> a lot of times things are built <laughs> in place, right? So a lot of the mm-hmm. the construction methods used are not necessarily conducive to like pulling parts out after it's installed. So I'm trying to strategize how to get these partitions out and to open the space up for a TV. And I decided, what the heck, let's make a, a little video about it. So we will have a video coming out showing how I, uh kind of destroy a perfectly good built-in to make it just a slightly different built-in that fits a bigger TV. Wow. You're still making
2: videos, huh? I thought you gave up on that.
3: Well then, you know, sometimes you just start filming a house project. Like <laughs> an actual house project <laughs> and call that content. That's what we do. Hey, hey it's you know, what? Like when
2: you refinished your front door. I <laughs> just like that.
3: <laughs> and you know what? I actually sat down and watched the latest episode that you put out, and I hadn't really I mean, because I'm not that interested. So yeah, I don't, that's I don't, fine. Yeah. I don't I mean, expect
2: everybody to watch everything.
3: I, I know. And I know you get that and I know you're not offended by it. It's just the nature of, of what it is. You
2: got to be interested in it. Oh, and uh, hang on, but, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Go ahead. I got a funny thing. I got something to add to this real quick. Oh, good. We, 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 did our live stream yesterday with, uh, with Lindsay and myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that came up was that Lindsay doesn't watch my videos <laughs> and someone in the comments got really like upset about that really and it was very funny i'm like what the hell i, I don't i don't watch the comments when we're doing that because i'm trying yeah. to like keep the thing going i went back and looked at it and she's like yeah i had to like ban this person a few times why like why would she watch them, them? like yeah, that's what i'm saying I'm like i just doesn't offend me she doesn't watch them I'm like i don't care like what the hell do i care well like, this person was really really taken aback by the fact that that by i guess by not watching them she's not supportive is that right it's kind of what their thought process was but it was that's Kind of of funny and rude at the same time. Well, look, the thing is,
3: she's living through it. You know what I mean? Like, why would she then watch the recap? (laughs) Her life is already inconvenienced by this construction project, but now she's got to watch it happen in a 30-minute clip? That makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. That
2: was just funny. Anyway, I thought that was relevant and humorous.
3: Well, hold on. Let's go around the the horn here. Uh, I was going to say. We also have wives. Uh, I can tell you right now that especially with with my videos where I'm trying to put like a funny thing or I'm working hard with Todd on the edit to do to make this thing funny. I have to ask Nicole to stop what she's doing to sit down and watch this thing to validate my feelings. (laughs) And I want her to to see how this. I got to see how funny it is. Yeah, exactly. That, that happens too. Like, can I get away with this? But she is not sitting there watching every episode and waiting for the release. You know, that, that's not happening. Does Heather watch your stuff, Shannon? No.
1: I don't yeah, think she's no watches a single Episode. In fact,
3: I've <laughs> never um, even seen
1: it. In, in, in going through prepping the show notes last night, um, there was a question I ended up actually not putting into the show, but it required me to listen back to two or three shows ago because they, they said somebody said I said something and I was like, I don't remember saying that at all. So um, I'm actually listening to the show and Heather walks into the room and she's like, Is that wood talk? Like, is that <laughs> really what you guys <laughs> sound like? Yes, it ma- is.
3: Oh. Wait, wait but was that
1: good or bad? <laughs> oh it wasn't good
3: <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no
1: she's like really like people listen to that
3: <laughs> this is what it's you've like- been doing all this time <laughs> that's great so, this yeah. is what rockler
1: pays for <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it's more out of self-preservation that she doesn't listen or watch any of it she'd Be like <laughs> yeah. oh my god it's probably for the best <laughs> you really are putting that out in the public <laughs> it really is terrible Okay. Well,
3: before we got on that tangent, I don't know what I was saying outside of the cabinet uh, project that I did,
2: but I don't know. So you saw something in the video or something. I don't know. You watched it for some reason. Uh,
3: uh, Oh, yours. I was talking about your video, not the cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually sat down and watched it and I was like, um, this, this, this guy who's putting this house together, looks like he could use some help. Too bad. There's not another person there to hold that, that panel for him (laughs) while he nails it in. (laughs) It is it is an interesting thing to watch, though, you guys uh, working together, the the bits that you leave in um, where like you had to cut a piece that had multiple notches uh, to get the, the panel in place. And Donovan's calling out measurements. You're on the ground actually making the cuts. It was it was neat to see the process go together. So I, I could see the attraction. Um, but, you know, not for me, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was fun. <laughs> the people
2: who like those videos really, really like those videos. Yeah, but they're doing good for you, right? Like they're performing well. And it's, I've it's never well, So it's the, the interesting thing about it is like my core audience absolutely loves it. And I'll get more likes and engagement on one of those videos yeah. than the similar video with the same number of view counts to be doing anything else. Yeah. But the only downside to them is they don't have legs. <laughs> So like they'll they'll hit that initial core audience they'll love it and they'll watch it in the first two days and then they just flatline after that yeah so it's 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 an interesting it's a very interesting dynamic like I would expect hmm. it, them to do better like out into like the world I guess mm-hmm. but the people who love it really really love it and really appreciate them which is also nice
3: and good there there's something unique about it too because it's not exactly like watching this old house episode it's not that type of presentation style. Like you'll, you'll do that as the host when you're catching people up, but most of the, like the elapsed time is more of an over the shoulder kind of thing. Like you're watching two guys work. You're hearing the conversation that's happening. This strikes me as one of those things. That's a comfort watch for people where it's not, it's not challenging to watch. You know what I mean? You don't have to sit here and think too hard about it. You're just Mm -hmm. watching a thing being created and two guys making it happen. And it's a very relaxing thing and i imagine that's that's what a lot of these people who are who are watching
2: this story unfold are there for you know to, to get that experience so yeah it's been really interesting too like i so i previously to this i had never done release schedule before mm-hmm. um so now th- these come out every saturday and like the the saturday crew as, as we'll call them yeah like they like the audience has been trained that now on Saturday morning, like this is here and you can watch it and people get excited. Like, Oh, it's finally time to watch it again. Like the first comments would be like, Oh, time to watch my show. Yeah, got it's got my coffee it's a routine. It's a routine thing. Now it's very got my waffles, it's interesting. Got my coffee. Got my waffles and my coffee is um, Richard out in uh, Normandy. It's like, I just woke up from my afternoon nap and there it is every week. Yeah, that's awesome. Or he was out doing something because it's, you know, he's ahead in time. Yeah. So it's an afternoon release for him, but it's, it's very weird.
1: It's funny how how circular that is cuz that's how it was that's how TV was when I was growing up you know, <laughs> it's, you know it's not right, new I guess right? so yeah that's a good point <laughs> Everybody gather around the TV to watch Dallas It's an event yeah
3: Well yeah. we've also gotten to the point where people are putting things on video that's just the stupidest mundane garbage <laughs> You know what I mean like a lot of it should be dismissed um, but when there's actually something that is event worthy and it is a big deal for somebody, that's kind of a rarity anymore. Um, most of what we have out there is just mundane, purposeless garbage. Sorry. That's my, uh, that's my Missouri curmudgeon coming out.
2: Curmudgeon. <laughs> you're such a curmudgeon.
3: I am. I am now. <clears throat> well, look when you're after your, uh, your, your lower regions sweat as much as mine have in the last month. You start to get a little bit pissy about the world. Come
1: on, man. I sent you that, that like ball chiller thing that you should yeah, put in the car. Need that.
3: There's all kinds of products. You know, I will tell you in, in Denver, we did a promotion with, um, Oh, what the heck's the name of the company, the clothing company? Duluth. Uh, Duluth. So one of the, the big things that we're pushing were their like armachillo underwear. Which I got and I'm like, all right, they're comfortable, but I didn't get it. Like it was comfortable, but it was really not that, it it was not (laughs) that different. The material felt different, but the whole point of these things was totally lost on me in Denver. As soon as I got here, I went to friggin Duluth's website and I ordered like a half dozen new pairs of underwear to go with like the three armachillos I already had, because there is a night and day difference (laughs) in my comfort throughout the day here when I'm wearing armachillo versus wearing just, you know, whatever fruit of the loom Nicole bought me. Um, so not to make an ad for a company that didn't pay for one, but Oh my God, what a difference in a humid environment. Pretty wild. Okay. Enough about my, uh, ball sweat, Matt. Your balls. Wow.
2: Thanks. Thanks for the update (laughs) on your balls. (laughs) very appreciated. <laughs> Thanks for the ball update. <laughs> on to Matt for news for his ball update. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Why are you? Why are you do this to me? Like as soon as my turn to talk, <laughs> Give you're like, you something hey, to laugh about. Let's just like bring him into like some kind of laughing meltdown so that yeah. he can't think, speak. I like to toss. He's supposed to say? I like to toss a little Vaseline on the ball before
3: I throw it to you.
1: <laughs> well, what what I love is the I'm in the show it notes. Here. It specifically says we should try to pull in Rockler in our conversations, and not only yeah. have we not done that, Mark no managed to pull in another <laughs> another company. That's
3: right. Well, this is why so they keep
1: coming back for more. We've it, lowered it, it, the bar on the content, and uh, we've. I think it Rockler.
3: Rockler is just like hopefully optimistic about things <laughs> with us. Is, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll we'll go
2: with that. That sounds better.
3: Well, look, I bought uh, the ones that I, the underwear that I bought, they were blue.
2: Oh, so good. there's we'll the Rockler tie-in. That's good. Okay. Back to, back I think to more balls. than likely
1: Rockler watches the, listens to the show as much as our wives do. That's true. You know, that could <laughs> That's be probably it. probably accurate. That,
2: that could be it. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: we'll okay. discover well, something
1: today.
3: Matt, tell me about your balls. Oh, my
2: God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think New the segment. last time we...
1: The ball update. We need a jingle. We need a jingle. Everybody's ball update. <laughs> <laughs> We're like extra
2: goofy now and extra, extra giddily. That's, that's yeah. nice. Okay. We're high on this water. Oof. All it right. is well water. Gonna, you never know what's in it. I'm going to try and push through this.
3: <laughs> Go for we'll see it. I'm going to shut goes. up now. I'm
2: going to be. Yeah. Awake. Okay. I'm, uh, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> So I think the last last time we we spoke, I was uh, kind of in a similar situation to Mark where I was looking for a new home for my business. Mm -hmm. Um, That didn't happen. Uh, We weren't able to find any commercial property to buy or lease in the area. So we went with the nuclear option of, uh, let's put a building on our property and use that for now. So we're putting up a pole barn thing, and that will be my physical product business space. Uh, until I outgrow the space, which we're putting up the same size space as I was leasing the last two years. Mm -hmm. So I was already feeling a little cramped in there. So yeah, we'll see. How how far, how far was the other space? The current warehouse? Uh, it was, well, at the old house, it was kind of nice. It's like a 20 minute quick drive down the freeway into downtown. Um, Mm -hmm. and now it's all the way across the entire Metro. Uh, it's like 40 minutes, 45 minutes from oh, here. Oh, so this is a good change. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I was already planning on like moving and getting out yeah. of there and getting something closer because mm-hmm. um, one of the things that, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious, but it came very apparent to me that the space becomes under underutilized because it's so much of a hassle to go there and do anything. Yeah. And by the time you get there, you're like, God, I just drove all the way here. Yeah,
0: and then like the most half the day's
2: of gone already. Yep. And then you get like a few things done. You're like, Hey, I'm out of here. I be, I have to be rush hour to get back. So you can oh, leave early anyway. Yeah. Um, so it became very underutilized, which is unfortunate because it's a great space, but I was really planning on like, okay, this has to change, but I wasn't planning on it happening like now <laughs> or so mm-hmm. the timing didn't really work out for me too well. Um, but my, my landlords, they gave me like six month notice. So I like, it's fine. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I have six months. How hard could it be to find something else? <laughs> Boy, that can go by fast. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, nothing, literally nothing. So, yeah, we're doing this. Uh, we're putting a big building thing. It should be. Um, I have, I have, I've gone through a lot of like emotional distress over this one. Mm-hmm. Do you like, need a hug? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm happy to report that I'm like to the point of actually being excited for this now. Yeah. Because as, as I w- kind of went into this, like I felt very forced into this pathway into this decision. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't my first choice. So I, at least now I'm to the point like I'm excited to have the space here so close that I can actually utilize it better. And like and honestly, just be like to the point now where my life is completely back to let's say air quotes normal mm-hmm. because I feel like I've been in this transitional flux for the last two years since we finally started moving from our old house. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really excited to just like get back to work as weird as that sounds because I've been working this whole time. But at the same time, I, I kind of haven't either. I don't feel like I've been doing that much. Yeah. Like business wise, like I kind of want to get back to making guild projects again. And I want to get back to that like, kind of like normality in my life. Like, okay, I'm making my guild projects every year. I'm doing my furniture things in the shop <laughs> and I have whatever's going out in the, the uh the commercial space going on too. Mm-hmm. I'm not working in my house. Right? <laughs> and I'm not moving. So
3: is this is this a fun? Th- I mean obviously this is very there's a utility to what you're doing here that's not quite as fun as if you were saying, yeah, making a uh, new wood shop on the property. So yeah, well, is it yeah, is, so, is like is it still yeah. fun or is it just
2: like a means to an end kind of project? Honestly, it's kind of more a means to an end more yeah. than anything. Uh I I know I already know people are gonna look at this and see that like that's their dream shop because it's right big. That's,
3: you're gonna get that comment every <laughs> time. Like,
2: but it's it's not my dream shop at all. It's just a utility space for those businesses to operate. Like my I I one thing I'm really happy that I did is I separated the two let's say air quotes businesses or like business styles that yeah. I have going on. So I have my shop here in the garage, which is a content production space. It is my like creative space and it's where I make videos. Then I have my commercial space, the warehouse, and then now the the pole barn here on the property. That's like the get crap done space. I'm not filming in there like that much or ever. Um, And it's more geared towards physical products, whatever. And I don't have those two things getting in each other's ways. Cause they're, they're two separate spaces for two separate purposes Now they yeah. do have some overlap, but like I'm not, my physical product isn't getting in the way of me filming a video because I have product all over my shop.
3: Or if you have people helping you, chances are they're not helping in both spaces. So yeah, that was the other
2: thing too, is like separating those two so that if there are employees in other, either place, they're not like on top of each other messing around with stuff Yeah, or whatever. Like it's, both, both things can operate individually or at the same time.
3: Right. That's exciting. When does that start? Uh,
2: there, uh, two, three weeks, the end of the month,
0: nice.
3: uh,
2: last week of August.
3: And how much of this, is this like you getting your hands dirty or are you hiring this out?
2: Uh, well I have hired Donovan <laughs> again, <Huh. laughs> again. Turns out the uh, only contractor in the area that's available. He's not even in the area. That's the worst part for him. He's oh, some, God. He's past my warehouse in the other direction. Oh, poor Donovan. <laughs> wow. So. Um, that's dedication. Are you? You're paying him well, right? I mean, you uh, have to he, he eats a lot of cookies. So my cookie budget <laughs> well, so is we heard. through the roof. He, he brings the <laughs> cookie cookies and budget. the milk every day. <laughs> that's true. Actually, he brings them himself, and then I eat them. Yeah. Occasionally, I buy the cookies, but... <laughs> but normally he picks them up on the way in. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I mean, this isn't like, Hey, we'll pay you an exposure sort of thing. Right. Oh no, this is (laughs) not like that at all. There's money changing hands here. I hope he bills me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good, Um, good, good, good. So we, uh, (laughs) (laughs) early and I hope we've hired out a lot (laughs) of the, the work with this. So the, all the concrete work is hired out and then we're just going to do the, the structure, the, okay but the pole barn structure framing stuff. And then the, the tin sheet metal on the the roof and walls and whatever. Nice. That stuff. I can't wait to see it. That's awesome. Yeah. it will be, uh, this, I, I hope it's going to go quickly. I think it should. We'll see. Donovan says it's been longer than I've been alive since he's put up a pole building. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. I have confidence. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just kind of weird to think like when you're working with someone that has been around the stuff for so long that like, They've done this before, but it was literally before, before I was born.
1: born. Yeah. But long ago enough to forget it. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I'm
3: looking forward to it. I can't wait to see it uh, come together.
1: Okay, Shannon, what do you got going on? I had that realization in the um, like the technical side of my business this week where I've been doing this long enough that I've forgotten how to do things
0: that <laughs> I used
1: to do every day. Like, like the show? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Some of that, yeah. Now, I had to put a, a specific uh, element into um, an actual web page, a blog post. There, there, oh. That shows you how old it is. You know, we all have shows we put out, and they go on YouTube, or they go, you know, you've got content on Instagram, and yes, there is an actual website behind it. You know, no one may ever visit that website anymore, but the YouTube <laughs> no videos get there. embedded there. And I just, I released a YouTube video, I know, Pigs Fly. And um, I was like how the heck did I do this before? (laughs) I'd forgotten how to, how to like actually write a blog post It was was scary. Anyway, um, I I was actually really enjoying Matt's conversation because it it kind of leads me to absolutely nothing that I had put on here to talk about, but um, Matt's kind of in this weird transition thing and wants to get back to, to normal. And, you know, you hear the same thing from Mark, you know, I want to get back to building stuff. Um, I'm in very much the same boat for different reasons, but I've been hearing from a lot of people who feel the same, whether it's just been too dang hot, um, to go work in the shop. So like all woodworking has ceased or, you know, work has gotten in the way or a newborn and things like that. There's just, there's a lot of people, maybe it's just COVID. I don't know That's just like thrown people's lives for a loop and people just can't wait to get back to what they do. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the last year, last two years, I've been doing this and I've been working real hard, but I'm not actually working, to quote Matt, to paraphrase Matt. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel like it's yep. a very common feeling. Um, and I'm very much the same way. I've got a whole bunch of projects that have either been started and had to be set aside because of another priority came up or um, a whole bunch of stuff kind of on the, the, the literal drawing board um, that need to get started. And I just I can't get to it because there's too much other things going on. And it's kind of like, I got to finish those up, finish those up. And then I can get back to normal. And uh, it's getting to the point where it's very, very frustrating. Um, So like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I feel better that you guys have this stuff going on and aren't cranking stuff out because, you know, usually (laughs) it's like, Oh, what's on the bench? Well, Mark finished, you know, three projects and Matt finished an heirloom 18th century piece. (laughs) What does Shannon do? Well, he flattened a board. (laughs) <laughs> that's what you get for using hand tools, man. And there you go. It's that's, that's, yep. that's what it's been lately. I mean, <laughs> frankly, my, my life in the shop, I mean, there, there's a huge amount of stuff going on at the day job. Let's not forget the fact that I'm training for an Ironman in less than a month. And that certainly has taken some time. And I, I recognize that once that's over, a lot of that time will come back. But um, my shop time has really been focused on the hand tool school. And what I'm doing there is it's demonstrations and I'm, I'm filming things in responses to, you know, apprentice questions and things like that. And it's all, it's all cool. Frankly, I love doing it. I've said it on the show before. I really enjoy teaching woodworking and kind of understanding how to like make that light bulb moment happen in somebody's head. Um, but it's not actually building anything. So like this, my, my update and granted, I put this update in a month ago when we were going to record this show before, but like, what did I do? I cambered a chisel. but there was a whole there was a whole video the whole production and a whole kind of experiment that went into the cambering of that chisel and I actually put a note in here myself because um, unfortunately we lost David Charlesworth back in Mm -hmm. May um, and it's the first time that we've had a chance to actually record since that happened but you remember I mean David Charlesworth incredible craftsman but probably most known for his ruler trick The idea of you know raising up a plane blade ever so slightly and putting a tiny, tiny back bevel on a plane blade is a way to kind of speed up and increase the the uh, the sharpening effectiveness of of a plane blade. But he was always very clear to say, "Do not do this on a chisel." So David passed away the end of May, and I'm doing a demonstration in early June in the Hand Tool School. And the first thing I did was put a back bevel on a chisel, and it was kind of like, "I'm sorry." I'm so very sorry. Like rest (laughs) in peace, David. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's my, my, I feel like my workshop time has become a series of small demonstrations that ideally, hopefully have a strong impact on like my little hand tool school community. But at the same time, it's, it's leaving me a little bit like, okay, I'm ready to build something. I'm kind of like ready to get back to normal. So anyway, that's just me of, of, of empathizing, uh, big virtual group hug there. Cause it, I don't know. I feel <laughs> like you. it's a very common sentiment in the world. I, I needed that in general.
3: <laughs> Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, in my situation, I've just been doing all the house stuff, which I don't film. There's no content there for the most part, but I've installed tons of outlets and ceiling fans. And I've just been, we just put in um, a set of doors in the basement cause the doors were rotted out. So, like, that, that's all stuff that happened, and I'm tired, and my back hurts, but I got nothing yeah. to show for it. <laughs> like, right. officially, right. nothing to show for it.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I need stuff. to take my GoPro out on my long bike rides and just produce content there. I'll just become a triathlon channel. Yeah. Because that's like that's, that's like 20 hours of the week anyway. <laughs> there you go. Good idea. All right, let's
3: get into yep. a piece of kickback here. Uh, Tom wrote in, and he says, "Woohoo, Rockler is in New Jersey. And, uh, he says, yeah, not a question, just a heads up that Rockler's in New Jersey. I probably wouldn't have found out otherwise. So did, was Rockler not in New Jersey prior to this? I don't think so. When, when did the know. Jersey store open? We don't work um, at Rockler, so we don't know that answer. I would have assumed they would have had a location in Jersey like for a while.
1: Well, didn't we, wasn't in one of our mid rolls that we said, then you have a store. There yeah, now? Probably. <laughs> I and mean, that's what he's saying is that's how he found out was by yeah. listening to us. But I wonder how but, yeah, long ago that I'm, was. I'm almost positive they don't because like New Jersey's not far from me. Um, and they're really, yeah. they're, there's not, now there's a Fairfax, Virginia store that just opened. Um, and technically that's the closest one, but I was saying off air, like <laughs> it's the worst traffic in the country. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It may be close, but it's probably three and a half hours away from me. Um, okay. But like as I go north, like I've been to the Portland, Maine, Rockler. There may be one in Massachusetts, but I've I've never, never been there. But I don't mm-hmm. think there was another one. If there's one huh. in Pennsylvania, it's like Western Pennsylvania or something. So, yeah, yeah, this mid-Atlantic region is is very underrepresented. I think it's always been a woodcraft market. Maybe that was mm-hmm. the, the issue, although you uh, mean the other Rockler on here. What's that? You mean the other Rockler? Yeah, sorry. The other Rockler. The green Rockler. Just, just to be clear. The green Rockler. <laughs>
3: it's a good one. Alright, well, if you happen to be in the area and you uh, have a, you're fortunate enough to have a Rockler nearby, you need to go and check out something very special that they have there. You gotta go check out their furniture legs. They have a entirely new iSymbol steel table leg set. Uh, Rockler made it super easy to build custom furniture projects with this new kit. Uh, the trickiest part of making tables is
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
3: Often making the base and the legs, but you can skip that process altogether by using one of these sets of iSemble steel table legs from Rockler. These welded steel legs make it easy to create functional, stylish tables. Just add a top, and the material of your choice. Choose from several heights to showcase a prized slab of lumber. Matt's got some of those. Or oh, use yeah. the shorter legs to support a custom-made cabinet. The legs are sold in sets and arrive with a durable matte black finish. Whether you're an experienced woodworker or a beginner, these table legs let you tackle furniture projects with confidence. This is pretty cool stuff. Um, obviously, different you know stylistically, hairpin legs, um, you know, welded legs these they've got some bent flat v v style legs that are pretty sweet uh you got to check this out because uh if you're building for clients or maybe family members that want these metal legs sometimes it's difficult to find a source for them so rockler uh coming in clutch with the metal legs
1: <laughs> come on, clutch. my dogs
3: are freaking out they're so excited about metal legs
1: <laughs> <Woo-hoo>, metal legs <laughs> yeah
3: since we moved to missouri the wrestling factor between the dogs has really kicked into high gear hey
1: hey
2: stop oh, it wow <laughs> That's yeah. like,
3: well, it sounds like they're killing each other, but they're just yeah. they're playing. Quote unquote playing. Anyway, Rockler has metal legs. Go check him out.
1: You ruined it, dogs. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> just I just the the image of tall Abby and short Dougie wrestling. She picks on I, him. I could, just, sure, I could just see Abby like stepping on his neck, saying, Stay down,
3: punk. Yeah, he's he's high. I mean, he's strong. He's got a good bite on him um but you know the height advantage is a problem it's why i could never beat up shannon he's always he's just too tall <laughs> but he, is <laughs> hiding uh, under my desk
1: <laughs> like that, beating like up shannon is a, is, a, is,
3: a, is a thought that comes into my mind quite often i don't know why you, you yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of people who feel <laughs> the same way i get that I've, I've given it some thought okay uh let's let's get to our <laughs> questions and yeah thank you rogler <laughs> for sponsoring the show always
1: appreciate it <laughs> always appreciate uh it. shannon you. you're up first i think this is from Brent. Uh, he said, I've recently started woodworking and I feel myself leaning more towards traditional joinery techniques. Um, I'm about uh, to buy my first set of hand saws and I'm wondering if I should invest in some Western style saws or a few quality Japanese saws. Seems to me the Japanese saws are more utilitarian with one saw having multiple uses, whereas Western saws are designed for more specific use cases. Um, uh, I, I'm looking for something I, I won't hate in six months and want to upgrade. So." Here's the thing. I've never claimed to be uh, a Japanese tool expert. I have used them. Um, And I I often say I went to Western saws not because I didn't like Japanese saws. And I think a lot of times it just comes down to a personal preference, like what what you vibe with more than anything else. And I just I like uh, kind of the bling factor of the Western saws. Um, I was always used to pushing my saws um, and the idea of, of pulling them and using them when I was pulling them, there is certain aspects that does feel easier to start, but it just felt awkward to me. So I just went whole hog into the whole Western saw side of things. But you can't deny the fact that A, Japanese saws are really inexpensive. Well, you can certainly spend a lot of money on, like, a, you know, a bespoke made by certain manufacturers that have been folded a thousand times by an ancient master or whatever. But for the most part, the mass market Japanese saws are really inexpensive. Um, I know you can you can buy them at all the online retailers, Rockler included. You can buy Japanese saws there. And a lot of times you can buy, like, a set of three for under $100. Um, or you can buy a single Dozuki for, you know, 35 bucks or something like that. They're really inexpensive which to me is worth considering. Because here's the thing, I don't think you're gonna hate it in six months. Um, I still have um, the Japanese saws that I bought years ago to kind of try this thing out. When I was first getting into cutting dovetails by hand, I was convinced that I had to have a thin kerf Japanese saw because it was so much thinner than, than a Western saw. And I, and I bought it and I used the Dozuki for a little bit. And as I said, I gravitated more towards the Western saws, but I still have that Dozuki and it still does come out from time to time when I really need a super, super thin curve. Um, likewise, I have a Japanese flush cut saw and I use that on just about every project, you know, where you have that need to, to flush cut something. And I didn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of money on it. Um, so, you know, there, there's like nothing there, there's no regret, no buyer's remorse there at all. So I, I kind of, I hate to have somebody straddle the fence this way. Um, but it's worth trying both Um, if you're getting started into this, because I think you may find that one just resonates with your style. One works a little bit better for you. The problem with the Western saws is if, I mean, if you're buying new is that's not a cheap prospect Mm -hmm. unless of course you go with something like Veritas, which has some inexpensive hand saws. However, I'm not a particular fan of the Veritas hand saws. Um, There's some weird tooth geometry stuff going on there that I think actually ends up hindering you. So if you were to try a Veritas handsaw and a Japanese handsaw, you probably would end up going Japanese because I, I don't like the performance of those Veritas saws. And that may be, I hate to say you get what you pay for because obviously Lee Valley and Veritas is a very premium brand. There's just something missing from the equation on those saws. So if, if I'm forced to make a suggestion, Brent, I would say, you know, pick up... Um, a couple of Japanese saws, or a Japanese saw, depending on what you're going to try to do, um, and and give it a shot. And then if you can get your hands on a relatively inexpensive Western saw, um, you know you can go out and buy a cheap hard point handsaw at, at one of the big box stores, and they're really effective at breaking down rough stock. You know, breaking cross cutting primarily, and you can really get a feel for the the technique and just the body mechanics. Of a western saw that way with with not a whole lot of cost actually probably cheaper in that case than than a Japanese saw um but what i don't recommend he says in here i'm ready getting ready to buy my first set of hand saws just like chisels i don't recommend going and buying a set going and buying a, a set of three or four or whatever um because you just don't know what you're gonna use them for you know if you're if you're cutting joinery that's that's one thing um, but do you need a, a tenon saw and a sash saw and a, and a dovetail saw right off the bat? No, you really don't. Um, so I, I, would, I would advise going small, um, buying one saw, and if you can, get a Western saw and a, and a, and a Japanese saw or Western and an Eastern saw, and, and try it out. I don't think you're going to end up regretting it and saying, oh man, I wish I hadn't spent that $38 on this Dozuki. Um, <laughs> I think there will still always be a home for that. In your shop, Um, and until you've really tried both sides, it's really hard to say. You can't really—I'm sure there are some some aficionados on one side or the other that will absolutely say no. You got to buy Western because of X, Y, and Z, and no, you got to buy Eastern because of you know A, B, and C. Um, In practice, I don't think it's that big of a difference. Um, And and I welcome people to write in and say you're out of your your blooming mind, you fool. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So <laughs> hold on. Good it right luck, now. Brent. Try not to go crazy all at once and buy a whole bunch of saws all at once. Build a couple of projects and let your saw nest grow organically. I think you could say that with just about any tool. Um, so good luck. Alrighty. What's interesting
2: about this one is I had kind of a similar progression, I think, is I started with a Japanese saw uh, and then cut my first like crappy dovetails with that. And then I gave up on cutting joinery by hand for several years <laughs> uh, and in the time, like, I don't, I don't know if we're just the way I was using it or what, but I like somehow knocked off like almost all the teeth on that saw. So it was <laughs> just, like a scraper <laughs> on a stick, <laughs> by by the end, and then I was yeah. like, I should try this dovetailing thing again. So I bought one of those gent saws, which is horrible. It, mm, yeah. Um, like it, that'll push you towards Japanese sauce. <laughs> yeah. Well, it pushed me towards like a proper Western saw after that. Because um, then I'm like, I got, um, Lindsay got me the Bad Axe um, dovetail saw. I'm like, this actually cuts. And, like the gent saw, I don't know if they don't sharpen them. I don't know anything about saws at the time. I don't think I would have that saw still, but it didn't cut for crap. Like you'd be sitting there like back and forth, back and forth to cut one dovetail. Like one dovetail cut. I don't yeah. even know how many reciprocations it would have been but like your wrist starts to hurt because of the way you're holding that handle too. So mm-hmm. I don't really recommend anybody buy a gent saw for trying to cut dovetails. Well, it hold on. Can I can I detour us? I want to detour us for a you second. You are not the allowed gents? to do any more detours. All right, fine. <sighs> okay, fine. Well, what do you need?
3: I'm just like, w- when someone made that, can Shannon maybe give us like a little bit of history on like the purpose of that? It just feels like someone who made Western saws saw Japanese saws and go, we can do that too. <laughs> And then put this straight handle on it that makes it completely stupid. So and, and yeah. I'm not a, a hand tool aficionado myself. I don't use a lot of hand saws, but I also have a comparable distaste for the gents saw. And oh, I'm trying okay. to figure like, what, what's the, what's the point of that thing?
1: Well, I think, well, the funny thing is, is there are some, you know, what you would actually call master craftsmen in the world that swear by that, um, guys that, that love the whole gents saw, but really hmm. it, it was a, I mean, it was a marketing ploy. It was something. Um, I don't know if I'm I'm gonna get my history mixed up, but we'll just say around the Victorian era was really the birth of the middle class. It was the time where finally, you know, people actually had some free time. We weren't working sun up to sundown just to survive. And this this middle class had grown up and hobbies really became a thing. So there were people that were looking to, you know, dabble in trades, the gentleman, that's it's in the name, the keys in the name. And companies started producing this line of tools that would be for that hobbyist. So it was mm. the first time it wasn't for a working craftsman that they were making a saw. It was for somebody that just dabbles in it. And ultimately they had a price point that had to be met. Um, there were some functionality things that really you know, no one's going to care. And, and the more nefarious side of this, one might say, you know, these guys aren't going to know any difference anyway. So it's certainly cheaper to turn a handle and shove it on the end of a tang um, <laughs> and, and go to town um, yeah. than it is to use, you know, split saw nuts, three different saw nuts, you know, a hand carved uh, block of applewood or something like that into a wider plate saw. The, the gent saw in general was just a lower price point item. Targeting uh, really an uneducated, unskilled market segment, um, the, the beginning hobbyist. Wow. Yeah, you um, got wow. me. So <laughs> that explains that a lot. <laughs> so isn't that way today? I mean, look at the yeah. price points. They are yeah, like they're they are meant bucks. to be an easier entry point uh, yeah. of a saw. No, I don't think they sharpen it. That I think the teeth are punched, and that's maybe as far as it's it's left. But mm-hmm. I mean. There's so many things wrong with that. The geometry of the tooth is generally wrong for the hang angle or zero hang angle. The way that handle is the hand position, everything. There's so many things that, that don't work with those saws. And for the guys that love them, I think it was, that's all they knew. And they just. Did they know, sharpen them? They got some, good at some it. Some
2: way differently or something. Cause I can't imagine someone that would love that saw where you have to like, I can make a saw cut for a dovetail in three passes with a normal dovetail saw with the gent saw. You got like 50 passes.
1: Well, here again, it was, it was designed for somebody, an unskilled worker. So the biggest thing that most people have when they pick up a handsaw is I can't get the thing to start at least a, a push Western handsaw. So they ridiculously relax the teeth. The rake on the teeth has been relaxed, which also decreases its speed. It's, um, Efficiency and cutting, mm-hmm. um, so it makes it glide over the wood and start a lot easier. But it also oh, it, cuts it really slowly. It's gliding yeah, it, the whole time. It's, it's not, not really cutting. cutting it, it's gliding. It's gliding. <laughs> so it's it's easy to start, and because of that lack of a hang angle and the way the handle is held, you have to relax those teeth, or it would be nearly impossible to get the thing starting. So it's it's relaxed so far that it really is just terrible. And mm. they make the pitch way too fine. I mean, most of those things are like 18 points per inch and lower, or or I guess higher, you might say. 20, I've seen 22 and 24. Like Come on. Like my marquetry saw blade is not that fine. Well, some of them are, but um, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I use a fret saw that's nine points per inch. Why would I want a dovetail saw that's 22 (laughs) points per inch? And it certainly was never meant to be sharpened or resharpened. Um because who can see that first of all <laughs> i don't care I don't care how good your <laughs> eyes are twenty two twenty four points per inch is a bear to sharpen so it's it's just one of those instances. it was a time in tool making history where we were targeting a totally different demographic than we've ever looked at before, and a lot of corners were cut, a lot of things were done you know i I'm sure the the turn handle looked really ornate and fancy and it 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 appealed to that that fancy lad. <laughs> <laughs> the fancy <laughs> playing gent around yeah the fancy gent the um the uh the fop the, the the british fop who wanted to get into woodworking as a as a laugh all right there well we go. got a couple of questions for it, mark let's let's people, uh,
2: yeah sorry about that
1: people say talk too sorry, much but I... <laughs> you
2: specifically said history lessons so. i'll bad. make mine quick i'll this is a quick one for me okay all right, this is from corey uh corey says i've listened to the show since you started well, that's long time yeah, just wondering yeah. how you guys would set up or get better yet organize different items such as drill bits rudder bits drone bits etc i have all the original cases that these bits came in but they're bulky and didn't take up space in my shop so i'll give uh, my little freeing piece of advice for you and this is this will set you free get rid of all of those cases yeah. that the bits came in like it's it's a hard thing to kind of to get to that point of like just doing it because like they're cool like has all the information about the bits on it and like it's got a little storage thing and you can like hang on a shelf and it looks nice get rid of them just get over the fact that they look nice just submit to the fact that you don't need them and figure out some other like organization system for it so for the router bits i did the well, the wall hanging router cabinet you don't have to make a cabinet or anything you can just make a block of wood with a bunch of holes in it and that could be your bit holder It is so much more efficient use of space that way than having all these cases. The one thing I held onto the case idea for was like, what if we know like the information about the bit, like what size it is, what the radius is, or whatever? I don't care. Like the number of times I actually looked at the information over the last however long I had the bits and cases before going to a cabinet, Mm -hmm. about zero, like zero times. And this day and age, like if you're buying things online, like you can go back. And be like, I ordered this bit at this time, I can go to the product page and all the information on the product page anyway, if you really need it. So don't worry, but some of the rubber bit manufacturers put the part number on the shank so you can just look it up too that way. You don't need the cases Uh, for drill bits. I went with a a drill index drawer thing, uh, which has like little little spaces for all different sizes. That's I use that mostly for my like my metalworking twist bits especially like on the sizes less than an 83 you have, like, I bought a pack of 10 and I have like half of them missing and there's like eight of them in there or something. Somehow you buy a pack of 10 you use half of them. There's still eight. I don't know how the math works, but don't worry about it. Very um, complex. <laughs> you can get those, those cases that you can like store multiple of the same sizes in the little uh, index and do it that way uh, for like Brad points and things like that. I still have the drill index, which I find to be somewhat useful. At least you know when things are missing and I only have one set of those. So try to get away from like individual cases for individual things and try to put more things into one case. So there to you speak, go, I guess. So.
3: Nice. If the only time that I do keep a case is really large bits. It's not part of a set. It's just like a three quarter inch boring bit that I use to make round holes in a workbench. Like that's something that came in its own little sleeve it's probably best in its own little
2: sleeve because I'm going to, you know, ding it up yep. otherwise. But those ones, though, the sleeves don't take up much more space than the bit does. Yeah, it's about
1: the same diameter, yeah. so.
2: And they're easier yep. to stack because they're, you know, square, or rectangular, or whatever, versus a round thing.
1: Right. Those little plastic cases, the router bits or larger drill bits come in. Ironically, they're great storage for plow plane bits and uh, router plane bits. There oh, you go. Nice. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's all I have left of my router bits is the cases. And that's what I've got my plow plane and router plane fits in. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) True irony.
3: Okay. I got a question here from Danny. He says, Hello. I too am moving very (laughs) soon, and our new property (laughs) has a 40 by 60 pole barn. There you go, Matt. You could put that's that's what I'm chair parts in there.
2: (laughs) That's what I'll be doing here. Yeah, that's
3: awesome. I want to frame in a sub portion of this to use as a wood shop, which YouTube is also going to tell Matt he should do. Um I made that part up. I will not be doing that. Insulate and heat, uh, but need to keep the other space for general storage, lawn equipment, space to work on vehicles, et cetera. The problem is I don't even know where to begin as far as what area of the barn and size to frame in and how to conceptualize the best shop tool layout once it's at that stage. Do you know of any resources or have thoughts on how to determine things like overall footprint and designing final shop layout? Thanks for the show and all of your content. Cheers to a new adventure. So this is really challenging. And I think a big part of it is that it's, it, it is so personal. Uh, the amount of stuff you have that you need to, to store in each section, um, the type of woodworking that you might do and what kind of space you need for that, this, this really speaks to me because the, the challenge that Danny has right now is the same thing that I'm thinking about when I'm outfitting the firehouse. I'm trying to figure out what do I need and I don't want to commit too early because I could very easily make a mistake. And in his case, if he is constructing interior walls and then, uh, you know, doing things to kind of like add HVAC and like serious commitment, boy, is there a chance of screwing something up and realizing after the fact that you should have made that five feet bigger. Um, that, that's that, I do not envy that challenge. That's a big thing to think about. I mean, do we have any really solid
1: advice for this? Cause it is so personal, um, ideas I think he needs to, to start backwards um, what is the, the rest of the space being used for? He says, you know, general storage, lawn and equipment, space to work on vehicles. I think you need to figure out how much space you need there. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it may be a matter of getting your priorities right. But like, if you could use this, if you could use the whole pole barn for your wood shop, you'd love that. Right. But you can't. So try to maximize, try to figure out the, the, the largest amount that I can use for the wood shop. Yeah, um, find the restrictions so in other words, what's first. What's the least amount I can get away with on for the other stuff? Kind of start there because you, you need to know what you have available, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the main constraint. And he's talking about working on vehicles. Obviously, there's, there's size needed there. You need to be able to pull a vehicle in, maybe, if that's what he's talking well, about. I would, I would personally so, put that work on vehicle space inside of the insulated
2: and heated area. If you're subdividing up that space. So I yeah, would include I mean, that space in if the shop. if you're actually
3: if you're working on them, you want the yeah, same comforts yeah. as the wood shop. Yeah, but and you can also have those. The wood shop and the vehicle shop can share space. You can have internal partitions and things like that. Um, there's no reason why those can't be in that same bubble.
1: Yeah, I, I think you have to start there and get the overall footprint. Um, yeah, you know, so you know your limitations. And then you can start plugging in, the, you know, this tool goes here, this tool goes there. Um, well, and I think there, I also there think, are some, go ahead. You know, I think workflow is something that always, when I'm planning out a space, uh, how, the, how the wood, where's the wood going to enter the shop, you know, uh, and how that board flows mm-hmm. through the shop. If you're, you know, all power tools, where is your milling line? And, you know, where is the joinery happening and all that? And kind of thinking in terms of, of, of you know, a single board flowing through the shop that kinda helps as well.
3: Yeah, Uh, the tool you can use, uh, what I'm gonna do is actually use SketchUp. Uh, You can find like pre-made models of just about any tool. It won't look like yours, but you can change the color if it makes you feel better. And you could pull that model into a floor plan model of your space and you could throw these things around. And it really is helpful to see these things in that kind of quasi-3D environment um, because you can kinda get an idea. You can even take a model of a person um, there's that fancy lady in that uh, tiger-striped or uh, <laughs> leopard-striped dress or whatever <laughs> that's always there. Um, throw her near the table saw and uh, see, you know, how things feel. Um, you can actually get a pretty good idea with these um, space holders, these placeholders, uh, and, and move them around a little bit. But always keeping in mind what Shannon said, like, where's the material come in? Where does it get broken down? Where does it then get milled? Where does it then get turned into joints and things like that? And always keep convenient workflow in mind, and it'll start to come together. But my, my best piece of advice is to try to be as flexible as possible. Anything that you do, you're probably going to want to change at some point. So anything that has the potential for flexibility, include that if you have the option because you you want the ability to move things around in the future and not lock yourself in at this very, very early stage.
1: Yeah. It's a challenge, no matter what. Put it all on wheels it's
2: hard. is like, well, what, what, what's your current shop like? If you think about it that way, like what what space are you working in now? Mm-hmm. What do you like about that layout? Do you like that layout at all? Is it working for you? What's not working for you? And I think a lot of the problem with this type of question is like, it's almost like I've never done woodworking before. I have all this space. I want to establish a brand new shop. I have no idea how I work, what tools I use. That's probably not the case. I'm, I'm assuming that they've been doing some woodworking some extent yeah. somewhere else for some time. Sure. So they might have a good idea of what the heck they build, how they build it, what kind of things they like. Hopefully. You know, like for me, when I moved, I put everything exactly the same place. Cause I really like the layout that I have now. I'm very happy with that. So I don't know, like if I were to move to a different shop again, like, I don't think I'd be like, oh, I gotta shift everything all around a little differently because I still really, really like that layout. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's why it's personal, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's a good starting point.
3: At least I remember when you did that, we talked about like just moving the layout to a different space and then just giving it a
2: little bit more room between each thing. Yep. <laughs> now a little there's more breathing room. room. That's, that's <laughs> all it was. Yeah. Cause like, I think about like these bigger, and bigger shops. I'm like, well, I really like the size of what I have now. It would be nice to be a little bigger to have a little more breathing room. So like if I wanted to have a camera person, It'd be okay. It'd be enough aisle space for two people to walk around in there at the same time. But as far as like the stuff I make where it's like kind of smaller-ish furniture, like it's a really good size. We're not taking like, it doesn't take you forever to walk across the shop to go use a table saw, for instance. It's like, it's right there. Everything is kind of really close together and really efficiently laid out to be within footsteps of each other. Yeah. Versus like, I have all the space. I got spread out as far as possible. It's not that efficient though. That's a mistake. You want to spend all your day walking around.
1: Yeah. You know? There
3: isn't there is an optimal kind of range for distances between tools and just getting more space for the sake of space and putting the same tools in just a giant space. Like you need other things to do with that space or more tools to occupy that space because otherwise it's just uh it's wasted motion. Or you just trying to get your steps
1: in to go from scooter. one workstation to the other. Or golf cart. <laughs> yeah. On
2: hoverboard all day in the shop. <laughs> between
1: go. stations. <laughs> I like you know, that back idea, back when uh, we used to write blog posts, um, I actually wrote a blog post on the merits of elbow room in your shop because you see so many of these, especially in garage shops. Just you know, it's it's hyper efficient. Everything's stacked in and touching one another. You know, the drill press is butted right up against the router table, which is butted right up against the table saw, and there is some real benefit to just having like that extra foot of elbow room around. You know a, a workstation oh, yeah. of some sort it really yeah if nothing else it just it makes your mind a little bit more at ease it's not quite yeah. so tense because it's just everything's packed in there i mean sometimes we don't have another alternative but yeah elbow room's a good idea realm, as the nazis would say
0: <laughs>
1: mm,
3: okay oh okay. Okay. all right all right. Well, that's that's gonna do it for us today. Uh, family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, oh my God. finishing supplies. <clears throat> There's a lot of white space in the, uh, the document there. Uh, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card.
1: There we go. It's not white space. It's Lebensraum. (laughs) Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. German expression. It doesn't have to be a Nazi expression. But yeah, it was coined by them. Anyway, um, yeah. (laughs) If if you're still interested in listening to the show um, or or want to to contribute to future shows, please send us questions. We love your questions. Um, The show is built on your questions. So go to woodtalkshow.com. That's where you can fill out a contact form or if you just want to pop into your email box thingy and send an email to woodtalkshow at gmail.com uh, if you uh, reach out to us via Instagram then you get to talk to the lovely Margaret and she will cull your questions uh, from the herd, put them together in a nice little email and then she sends us an email to woodtalkshow <laughs> at gmail.com so all kind of the well, same thing same step and email us yourself yeah, <laughs> yeah. unless Skip you them, really Margaret. want to talk to Margaret she's a nice lady, you might want to talk she's to her.
3: actually great Yeah. Yeah. okay Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Auf Wiedersehen.